Welcome to the Faith Cup Podcast. We are glad you are here today. May God bless you in order for you to be a blessing to those around you. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Faith Covenant, and I just want to extend you my welcome this morning, too. Uh, for those here in person, we're glad you're here, and those online joining us, we're glad you're joining us also. And so, thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know about you. If you guys had a chance to go to the Big Bash yesterday, I had a blast. I got to spin the tunes uh, the entire day, so that was super fun, and handle the RC cars. And man, I, I was a little skeptical. I'm like, are the kids really going to have fun with the RC cars? And oh my gosh, they were obsessed uh, jumping. Not only that, we have the fire truck and the bouncy houses, and it was just an amazing time. And God blessed us with good weather, so we weren't uh, frying <laughs> like the rest of the August has been. <laughs> so praise God for that. Well, I would love to pray again, and will you guys join me in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good and gracious, God. God, we thank you for children's laughter. We thank you for the fellowship that we have with one another and the ways uh, that you, your Holy Spirit is in our lives and the ways that you connect us to each other, not only through our faith, but just through the, the joys of life, the experiencing of fun things like good food and fellowship and the joy of kids laughing and having a good time. And so, God, we're thankful that as a church that you've blessed us to be able to provide those things and do those things as a community. And so, yeah, we just thank you. And God, this morning, as we enter into worship and continue into worship uh, through your word this morning, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and ears to your truth and wisdom. And God, may it take root in our lives and bear fruit, bringing you glory, honor, and praise. And God, may the words from my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord my rock, and my redeemer. Amen. Well, we are in our last week of our sermon series called Life Abundant, where we've been exploring the question of what, a, what is an abundant life? And we know Jesus said he came to bring it in John 10.10, 10, where he says, the thief comes to only kill, uh, steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and, life, and have it abundantly. So what is this abundant life? We've been exploring it, and I think we sang a lot about it this morning, of just the hope and the grace of Jesus Christ and the ways that he fills us with joy. But we also have learned, too, that uh, we have discovered that the abundant life is being rooted in God's word, and not just being rooted in God's word like with our head knowledge, but also applying that, that knowledge into our life. And I'll say it again because I love it, you know, knowing is half the battle, and with G.I. Joe, that's, that was the quote. And it continues to be our kind of anthem as Christians. Knowing is half the battle. Like we have to know what God's word says. We have to know what the spirit is speaking to us. But applying it to our lives is the other portion of that. And so we spent some time being rooted in God's word and learning more about what it looks like to be a, plant, a tree planted by a stream. And last week we discovered that the abundant life is walking in step with the spirit. And walking in step with the Spirit is having dependence on God for all things. Leaning into God's abundance and power for our lives and to do the work that he's called us to do. And stepping in the, uh, the Spirit is also discerning God's will for our lives. The big things and the small things. Um, in fact, I uh, had some, when it comes to discerning God's will, I had uh, 
questions for discernment that I posted. And so a few of you guys uh, approached me at the end of the service for those. And so I printed those off and they're in the back two tables there. You can pick those up on your way out. Uh, it's just somebody gave this to me who's a prayer warrior in my life. And I've kept this taped in my journal and every new journal I get. And <laughs> I, uh, I cut it out and retape it onto my journal. So just as I'm praying and trying to discern the will of God and listening to his word, uh, I, I just have these questions to kind of mull over as I do that. And so you guys can pick some of those up on the way out this morning. This morning we're going to continue to discover what an abundant life looks like. And today we're going to be exploring that life is led out of the Spirit and it produces the fruit of the Spirit. Um, which is the reason why I chose this sermon series is because we were doing this for VBS and I just wanted to hit home the, the, the fruits of the Spirit. So we're going to talk about this this morning. So will you join me in uh, reading God's Word together? Um, well, I'll read it. You can read it silently. <laughs> you don't have to read it out loud. So Galatians five thirteen through 26, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use <clears throat> your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, adultery and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, been, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So before we get into this, uh, I want to give you a little background on the text, because there's a lot here, and we're going to do our best to unpack this in the 30 minutes that we got today. Um, so it's, yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> so first, uh, Paul is writing to the Galatians, and he's trying to help them understand their faith. A lot of these people are Gentiles, they're new to the Christian faith, and the Jews, the, the Jewish Christians, um, have been persuading them to uh, adopt the law of Moses. And this is important because what they were struggling with was this question of, what does it look like to live in the Spirit? And it seemed very ambiguous, and we talked a little bit about this last week, to, to live by the Spirit, man, that's, you know... We like to anchor ourselves in something, right? And when we say to live by the Spirit, that seems ambiguous and it, it might lead us to feel like 
man, I don't know how to do that and how to listen to God. And for these Judaizers, they were saying, hey, we got it. We could give you security in how you need to live your life. And that is you need to follow all the laws. You need to follow these laws that have been there. Because they will give you security in that, uh, for morality. And then they, back then, they believed in basically this, uh, <clears throat> there was kind of this common school of thought that you had basically two desires, the good impulse and the bad impulse. And that by obeying the law, you were doing your best to live via the good impulses of life, that they would help you rid the bad impulses of your life. And so their solution to uncertainty of our morality was to adhere to the law of Moses and to practice what they knew would help fight the evil impulses. The Judaizers had been taught that the law of Moses is God's moral guide and contended that it would enable the Galatian converts to fight the flesh. Paul contends that the flesh has actually been put to death. And that's what we were celebrating this morning. The, the, the Paul says the flesh has been actually put to death, and already at that, the means of moral guidance has already been given to us, and that's God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus conquered and fulfilled the law, so now that we can live in freedom in the Spirit. But Paul knows that this is hard. He knows he's strugg- these Judaizers are struggling with this, and so are the Galatians. So they're trying to figure out, how do I live my life? How do I figure out morality at this point in time? The Judaizers say, hey, you just need to follow law, and that's how we'll do it. But Paul is saying that that is no longer the way. He's saying we have the Holy Spirit. And so then, in this uh, section of Scripture, he begins to explain what life through the Spirit looks like, what life governed by the Holy Spirit in your life, and how that shifts your morality. And first, he says this, and this is the foundation. In verses 13, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, Christ's work on the cross and his power through um, um, resurrection is, gives us freedom from sin and death and uh, being uh, shackled to the law. And now we have this freedom to serve God. But it's not a freedom for to do whatever we want, but it's a freedom to, uh, to be who God has made us to be, which is what we've been talking about the last week. That God has called us into being more like him, to, inhibit, uh, to have more of his attributes of peace, patience, love, the things that we see with the fruit of the Spirit. And this is, starts with love, that first it comes in action. It doesn't come in study, it doesn't come in all this, it comes in action that we serve one another humbly in love, and that we love our neighbor as ourself. Just imagine that. If you, uh, I've received grace from God. You have received grace from God. I love receiving grace. (laughs) I don't know about you. I don't think there would be anyone in here saying, no, I don't like (laughs) receiving grace. If you are, I would would jump to say you're probably lying. (laughs) We love to receive grace. It is a beautiful gift when we receive it. I remember when I was uh, a kid, uh, my parents were deacons at my church, and they left uh, one, a- one evening, and me and my sister were in middle school, and we were supposed to do our homework for the hour they were at their deacon meeting and come back. And I uh, <clears throat> did something my dad told me not to every single week when they would go out <laughs> for their deacon meeting, and that is 
I turned on his stereo, which was really big and really awesome. And I would play some of my favorite uh, cassette tapes that I had. And there was this new song come out. I don't condone the song, but it was popular when I was in junior high. It was called Whoop, There It Is. Maybe some of you guys heard it. Well, my little boombox that I had could not produce the bass that that song was entitled to have. Plus, I could turn up bass on my dad's stereo. So one evening, as me and my sister are listening to music, doing our homework, I chose to uh, throw that tape cassette in and uh, see how loud my dad's speakers could really go. And so we were bumping and thumping, and me and my sister were having a good time until all of a sudden we smell this little like electrical fire, and all of a sudden we hear, shh, shh, and the, the sound is gone. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I have just fried my dad's speakers. <laughs> And I don't know what to do about it. You know, instantly, like a little kid or a kid, you know, you try to cover it up. I, I picture Adam and Eve in the garden, right? You're like, okay, open the windows. Let's get the fan in here. Let's get the smell out of here. Uh, let's try to figure out if we can fix the problem. And I'm doing this frantically and obviously not doing my homework. Uh, and so my parents come home, wonder why our homework isn't done. My dad, perceptive, <laughs> still smells it, sees that something's wrong. And I had to confess. And I love that grace that my dad gave me that day. I was fearful of what was about to come, and I thought uh, the paper route that I had, that the next year I'd be taking that money and buying my dad new speakers for his stereo. But my dad and I had a talk, and he gave me grace. And I'll forever remember that as a time where I knew I could be punished. I knew that I was completely wrong, and my dad had every right to ask me to pay it back, and he didn't. We love to receive that things. That's humble love. That's the fruit of the Spirit being played out. And it starts there of loving your neighbor as yourself. That we work on things like extending grace and acceptance and helping, inviting people to things and encouraging each other. The things that we want most in our lives are the things that we're supposed to take the initiative and give to others, not because we have this abundance in our own lives, but because we have an abundance because of who we serve, of the God that is in control and the spirit that he gives us to be able to do that. And so we can live out of that abundance and extend and love people the way we want to be loved. And I think that just takes initiative. And that's also a willing to sacrifice. And we're going to get break down love a little bit later in the sermon. But one of the things that I love about biblical love, whenever you see it, there's often sacrifice that happens with it. And a lot of times, the surface love and the love that the world wants us to live into is just surface. It's very transactional. It's, you know, I'm going to invite you over to my house so you Next time you invite me over to your house and I'm going to help you out so the next time I move, you're going to help me out, right? And that's the tendency of the flesh, I would say, with life without the Spirit. That's how we choose to love often. Where love from the Bible is sacrificial and just like my dad giving me grace in that, what did he sacrifice in that? He sacrificed having to buy new speakers, my family, we didn't come from very much means. That was a big deal for my dad to have to buy new speakers. Uh, my, my dad sacrificed justice in some regard, right? 
like, to punish me in those circumstances. Like, he was rightfully just to punish me, to ground me, to do all these things he was within his parental rights to do. But he gave me grace in that circumstance. And I think this is the foundation at which the fruits of the Spirit come from. As we choose to walk in step with the Spirit, it starts with love. It starts with the love we've received from God and the grace we've received from God. And if we haven't experienced that, the rest of that I'm going to talk about today is just chaff blowing in the wind to reference our first week here. It's impossible to do because until you've experienced that, until the Holy Spirit is in your life to enable you to do the rest, you can't do it on your own. It's impossible. And you can, you can uh, do surface type love like I just talked about. You can, you can try to attempt it, but it doesn't have the ramifications and the abundant life that with God, without God behind it. And it doesn't have the impact or the transformation without the Holy Spirit's power and God's love and grace behind it. And it's just on our own efforts. So that's the first point. <laughs> As to, that we are supposed to love, humbly love each other like we would love like love our neighbors as we love ourselves. The second is Paul contrasts what life with the Spirit looks like opposed to life without the Spirit or the flesh. As he's trying to help the Galatians understand what life with the Spirit looks like, he decides that you need to contrast it here. So they just have a clear understanding of the, the difference of morality. And when we read this list, I think like most of us in this they're here this morning. When we read this list, you're like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's not life with the Spirit right here. Well, I'm going to read it again. Because sometimes these things, once they've kind of festered up and manifest, like festered up, it's easy to see. But there's, there's things at the bottom of this that are, go unseen at times. And we're going to talk a little bit more like, about that later um, <clears throat> as we talk about the fruits of the Spirit. But that these things we see easily, but there's thoughts and actions and mindsets and that lead to these actions. But this is just the surface that we see. And Paul, once again, he contrasts the spirit with life without the spirit. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. When I hear that list, I'm reminded of Psalm 1 and not wanting to be the chaff in the wind, but wanting to be that tree planted by the stream, just like Cindy and Lauren were talking about. And these things are a different kind of fruit. They're a fruit of a rotten tree. They're a fruit of self-led, not life with the Spirit. And most of us don't desire these things as Christians, but they can creep into our lives. They can, there's ways that all of a sudden you can be in a place where, you, you know, like I just think of like dissensions or factions or jealousy or discord. Like some of those are more subversive than others. You know, like I look at sexual immorality or like, uh, or fits of rage. Those are pretty like, bam, right there, right? But these other things, like they keep, they kind of creep into our lives. And uh, when we're not taking them to the Lord and we're not being, becoming more self-aware of who we are in Christ, these things can take root in our lives and lead us to these things that we don't want. 
And that's the importance of repentance. And that's the importance of being self-aware and holding your life in light of God's word and the Holy Spirit, like we've been talking about. And when we do that, we allow God to prune and put to death the things in our lives that are not from him. And lastly, we have the fruit of the Spirit. We have the fruit of walking in step with the Spirit. I want to read those to you one more time. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there are no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So this, this is the abundance that God gives us as we continue to walk in step with Him. And once again, if I surveyed you, I'm sure most of you want these things in your life. I know we love to receive these things in our life, right? Like I just talked about grace. We love to receive this. I love it to be around joyful people. How many else love to be around joyful people, right? There's something about being joyful. Yesterday was a great example of that. You see these little kids bouncing around on the bounce house. I've watched my daughter go pew, 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 all afternoon. And me and my wife go, okay, where's Annika? <laughs> but it was beautiful to watch that joy. And it, it, it has a ripple effect. And this, when that fruit, um, when God's fruit bears, uh, when it, we bear God's fruit in our lives, it has a ripple effect too on the people around us, on the way that we conduct our lives, on our priorities, on our, our understanding of our circumstances. When we're walking in step with the Spirit and we're allowing God to prune us to produce the fruit of His Spirit, we have a ripple effect on the people that we are around. I want to bring up one misconception about this is oftentimes people say fruits of the Spirit, but it's singular here. And I think it's important because it's all together. It's nine descriptions of a fruit, right? And the reason why I think this is important and work with me, um, I haven't really checked with the theologians on this, so this is kind of something I'm running with here. So uh, give me grace if it doesn't seem right. Um, <laughs> but it, it's describing a fruit, right? And those things don't work without each other. You can't have a very patient person without love. You can't have a kind person without gentleness. Like these things work together. And so I think sometimes the misconception as we read Scripture and we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it was like, yeah, I'm really growing in love today, you know, but that self-control, forget about that. I don't like that one, right? And that's not how it works. Like, as you grow in love, you should be growing in self-control. It all works together. It's one singular fruit. And so if we're not growing in self-control, then that's probably a good indication that maybe the love that we think we have or the gentleness or the kindness that we think we have might not be as whole as we think it is. And another good point for reflection and meditation and praying and listening to the Spirit of God and allowing Him to transform your life. The other thing about the, spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that I, I want you to recognize is these aren't eternalized at all. These, these things are like re regular fruit. They are 
produced by a tree and very out there, right? Like we have, um, we have strawberry bushes. They're not a tree, but we'll work with that, right? <laughs> okay? And they don't produce strawberries under the ground, the fruit, right? Like it pops out. And same with the fruit in our lives of the, Holy, uh, of the Spirit. <clears throat> they are outward manifestations of what God is doing in our lives. They are indicators that we are growing with God. They are indicators that we're in a relationship with God. That doesn't mean there isn't grace there. That doesn't mean that we're all don't have, we all have room to grow. But they're indicators that we are growing. And so as we read Scripture and as we want to continue to grow in our abundant life with God, these, this is the marker. This is the metric that we need to be looking at. And it's hard because these things are also subjective, right? It's hard to measure that on a scale. But that's where community comes in. That's where your, your spouse and your, your family come in. Because I don't know about you, I love my wife, but she definitely tells me when I'm not being, you know, self-controlled <laughs> or struggling in some areas. And vice versa, it goes both ways. And so our marriage relationships can um, be those times where we can help spur each other on um, into the work of God and be the iron that sharpens iron. And our community here at this church, our Bible studies, our small groups, our discipleship groups, like those are opportunities for us to sharpen each other, for us to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit and encouraging each other and spurring each other on when we see us living this out, but also when we see that we're not to call it out and help each other out. It's truth and grace. And I'm totally off my notes, so. <laughs> so I've been asking you these questions because I think part of my main like, challenge through the series is just for you guys and myself, God's been doing a lot in my life through this series, is to reflect on it, to do that, to be in relationships with one another and to be in a relationship with God in a way that I am active in co-laboring with him and allowing him to prune my life and put to death what doesn't give me life. And so as we look at these fruits of the Spirit, there's something I want to do today. I want you to kind of continue with that mindset of, God, where am I? And kind of un take off the veil and the facade that you might have in your life and the, boundary, the walls you might have and be honest with yourself about your walk with God and about these fruits of the Spirit and how they really are, either are or aren't in your life. And maybe it's even looking at that... Uh, that first list and saying, oh man, I see myself stepping into that, that jealousy or, or that discord or even those fits of rage or sexual immorality. And that's not from God. And so I need to go to him. I need to go into community and help figure this out. Turn to his word, turn to his spirit to guide me. So I want you guys to have that kind of mindset this morning as I walk through these nine fruits of the Spirit. And I, uh, as I was studying, my wife, who's super helpful, uh, I was telling her I was going to speak on the fruits of the Spirit. And she's like, you know, I spoke on the fruits of the Spirit a while ago. And I was like, you did? Back when we were in Michigan. And she's like, yeah, I borrowed some stuff from Tim Keller. He's one of my favorite pastors to listen to. And read, I read a lot of his books too. And he has, I have a resource for you at the back of the stage at the end today. It talks about the fruits of the Spirit, so you can pick those up. So don't worry about taking notes as we jump into this. But as we read through these, 
and talk about these. I want you to have that mindset that I just said of just honesty and rawness about where you're at with God and how the fruit of the Spirit is manifesting in your life or not. And what I love about uh, Pastor Tim's uh, notes here is he takes, he defines love, and then he says kind of what's the opposite. And then what I really, really like, because I think this is where we sometimes as Big C Church end up um, kind of falling into temptation is into the counterfeit fruit that we have, that fruit that kind of looks like love or kind of looks like patience, but isn't. And so I found this super powerful, and it was just a way that I could become more self-aware of myself. And I think self-awareness and spiritual growth happen in tandem. I don't think you can be super spiritually mature without improved self-awareness. Those two go together. And so we're going to read through these. Um, We got them up on the screen, I think. Do we still? Yeah, okay, cool, because we had some technical difficulties. So, um, and like I said, we got the notes back there for you guys to take home if you want a copy. So it says, love, to serve a person for their good and intrinsic value. The opposite of that is fear, self-protection, and abusing people. And the counterfeit, self, selfish afflic- uh, affliction, rescuing someone, but really rescuing self. Attracted to a person, but not how this person's love makes you feel, uh, but, uh, sorry, but to how this person's love makes you feel about yourself. And so sometimes, you know, you love somebody, but it's only because of the way they make you feel. It's not because you really truly love them for them. Enjoy. Delight in God and his salvation for the sheer beauty and worth that he, of who he is. And the opposite of that is hopelessness and despair. Counterfeit is elation that comes with blessings and not the blesser. Mood swings based on circumstances. And so the only time that we have joy is when our circumstances are good. That's what that comes into. It's only when we feel like God's blessing us and that we don't have any joy when life is hard. Peace. Confidence and rest in the wisdom and sovereignty of God more than your own. The opposite of that is worry and anxiety. The counterfeit is indifference, apathy, or not caring about something. So your stake in peace is just not caring, right? You just, I feel at peace of this because I'm not invested in it whatsoever. I know I've, <laughs> I can jump in that because I like, I like peace. <laughs> and so I can jump into that. So that spoke to me. Patience, the ability to take trouble from others' life without blowing up or um, to suffer joyfully. The opposite, resentment toward God and others. And the counterfeit is cynicism and self-righteousness. Kindness, practical kindness with vulnerability out of a deep inner security. Opposite, envy, unable to rejoice in others' joy. Or manipulative good deeds like your right hand knows what the left hand is doing. So you're kind of just making, you're being kind so that you'll get kindness in return. Goodness, honesty, transparency, being the same in one situation as the other. The opposite is phoniness and hypocrisy. The counterfeit is truth without love, getting it off your chest for your your sake. I don't know about you, that's easy to do, right? (laughs) Sometimes you just need to vent. And so we can, that could be an opposite, that could be a counterfeit there. And then faithfulness is loyalty, courage to be principle driven and committed, utterly reliable, 
true to one's word. The opposite is opportunist. Fair-weather friend, love without truth is counterfeit. Being loyal when you should be willing to confront or challenge. And that's hard. I know a lot of us can slide into that too because it's hard to confront people, right? It's hard to speak truth to people when they need to hear it. And gentleness or humility uh, is self-forgetfulness. And the opposite is superiority, self-absorbed and self-engrangement. I can't remember that word. (laughs) And the counterfeit is inferiority and self-absorbed and self-conscious. And then self-control, the ability to choose the important thing over the urgent. The opposite is a driven, impulsive, uncontrolled person. And counterfeit is we try to do it on our own through our own willpower and pride or other functional idols like controlling time and money and resources. And so when I present that list to you guys, because I know for me, as I look at the abundant life, I want the things, I want the real fruit, like Lauren and Cindy were saying, I want the real fruit. I don't want the rotten fruit. I don't want the fake fruit. And I think often we settle for one of those two things. We don't, we don't get the, we don't, we just don't let us, let God give us the real fruit. We want to do it on our own. And it leads to one of those two things where either it's fake or it's, you know, it's just, it's rotten. And we don't want that. I don't want that. And I know you guys don't want that either. And so I, I, I just get, I just give you that list so you guys can pray, for, pray through it just as I have to realize that there's areas in my life that God needs to prune. There's areas in my life that uh, as much as I think I am, you know, self-controlled or, you know, I do a lot on my own willpower, out of my own uh, and not through God. And so this morning, once again, I leave you guys with a challenge to, um, to accept this abundance life, to know that you guys already, this gift is already given to you. And that a part of doing, uh, of stepping into this abundant life is uh, through allowing God to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your lives, not the false fruit or the fake fruit. And it's through our community and through our relationships with one another and through the Holy Spirit's power that we're able to do this. Because we're able to spur each other on and encourage each other in the ways that we should be living. I got one example of this that I've been learning recently because God uses relationships, right, to help us learn these things. And as a dad, I've noticed uh, that God is stretching me in um, just in a lot of different ways. (laughs) But that... But that sometimes my patience gets worn thin with my daughter because she's three and she has a lot of energy and I'm tired from a day. And I've noticed that, um, that God, I have to rely on God's strength in those times to be intentional and caring and gentle with her. To recognize that it's me, not her, that's the issue. That it's me uh, wanting her to behave in a way so that I can relax and disconnect instead of realizing that I have a responsibility to engage her with where she is at. And it's my job as her dad to meet her where she's at and not her job to meet me where I'm at. And that's an example of how God's love is for us too, that he meets us where we are at. 
He did that through his son, Jesus Christ, but even today, he still does that through his Holy Spirit's power. And in my lack of patience with my daughter, God shows up because I call upon him. And he helps me. And he can do that with you too. And I think we do this because, I mean, I don't know what else to say. That's just, that's it right there. He meets us where we're at. He meets us where we're at. So whether we're lacking in this or not, uh, he meets us and he helps us grow more and pr- produce more fruit more abundantly. And that's part of being in an abundant life with God is that he's the God of abundance and we got to depend on him for those changes. We can't do it on our own. And so this week, I just challenge you guys to mull over this, pray over this lift, list and, and once again, pray, God, what needs to die so that I may truly live with you? What needs to be pruned so I, it, my life can bear more fruit to bear you glory, honor, and praise? And most importantly, God, help me make that happen because I cannot do it on my own. You guys join me in prayer. Dear only Father, we thank you that you are a God of abundance. We thank you that we're not supposed to do it alone. We're not supposed to do it through our own power that you've provided your Holy Spirit to help us with that, Lord. And God, not only do you provide your Holy Spirit, but you provided a church community, other brothers and sisters to help us call that out in our lives, to help encourage us when they see it, to help us practice living this out so it can have a ripple effect on the communities and for the people that we are in connected in our lives daily so they can experience your love and your grace too. So God, be with us. Encourage us. Prune us. And... Uh, so that we may hear, well done, good and faithful servant. God, we thank you and we praise you. We ask this all in your son's mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Faith Cove podcast. Our music was written, performed, and produced by Adam Johnson. For more information about our church community, visit faithcovesumner.com. Until next time!